Thank you, Daniel. If you haven't opened up a Bible for yourself, do that so that you can follow along. You can see for yourself what the text has to say. John 8, 12 through 20. And before we begin, let's pray. Father, for endless days, we will sing your praise and we will not get tired of doing it. I pray that you would help us now by the Holy Spirit to see who you are, to see Jesus, and through his light, to see you and all things clearly. We cannot do this on our own. We need the Holy Spirit. So work among us now. We ask in the precious name of Jesus, Amen. So here's an overview of our text, the text that Daniel just read for us. Jesus is the light of the world. He's going to claim that publicly. The world's in darkness. I'm the light. I'm the light of the world. What a claim. What an absolutely insane claim. Unless it's true. Now, the Pharisees, they hate Jesus. Anytime he talks, they want to shut him down. So they're going to disagree. They're going to argue with his claim. And they're going to call him a liar. That's what we're going to see in this text. Now, Jesus will respond to them and defend his truthfulness. So that's the back and forth that's happening with the Pharisees and Jesus. They're calling him a liar because he said he's the light of the world. And he's going to defend the fact that he speaks the truth. And in his defense of himself, this back and forth, we will see why we can trust Jesus when he says that he's the light of the world. You can trust it. You personally can trust that Jesus is the light of the world and not just for others out there, but light for you, light for your soul. So let's start with a refresher. So where we've been in the Gospel of John. Just recently, we saw Jesus come to the Feast of Booths. So it's a big festival. Everybody in Israel is coming to Jerusalem to celebrate, and Jesus goes into the temple to teach. So that's where he is right now. It's still the Feast of Booths. He's teaching at the temple, and the crowds are divided over who Jesus is. Some people are saying, this guy seems real. Should we listen to him? I don't know. Is he telling the truth? What do the leaders think about Jesus? Well, we know what the leaders think. They hate him. They hate the attention that Jesus is getting. And they hate how God-focused he is. And he's sucking all the oxygen out of the room and sending it towards God. And they hate it. They hate him. So if you remember in the last chapter, in verse 32, the chief priests and the Pharisees send officers, so like police officers, 
to go arrest Jesus. And so the officers go while Jesus is teaching in the temple. And before they arrest him, they start listening to the things he's saying. And in verse 45, the officers come back to the Pharisees and the chief priests without Jesus. And the chief priests and the Pharisees say, why didn't you bring him? You were supposed to arrest him. He's right there in the temple. And the officers say, no one ever spoke like that man. And that's true. The officers listen and they think, we've never heard anything like this. Have you given thought to the fact that no one talks like Jesus? Have you given thought to the fact that no one in the history of the world before or after has spoken like this man? Listen to him. I'm just going to read a few verses. This is Jesus speaking from where we've already been in the Gospel of John. And I want you to ask yourself, as I speak the words of Jesus, ask yourself, Has anyone ever talked like this? Whoever believes in me, the Son of God, is not condemned. But whoever does not believe is condemned already because he's not believed in the name of the only Son of God. If you don't believe in me, you're already judged. Whoever drinks of the water that I give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The Father judges no one, but has given all judgment to the Son, me, so that all may honor the Son just as they honor the Father. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. He does not come into judgment, but has passed from death into life. I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. This is the will of my Father. That everyone who looks on the Son, me, and believes in him should have eternal life. And I will raise him up on the last day. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life. And I will raise him up on the last day. For my flesh is true food and my blood is true drink. No one can come to me unless it has been granted to him by the Father. If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. No one has ever spoken like this man. No one has ever 
with as clear and sane words claimed to be everything your soul needs for life and satisfaction. Now Luke said this two weeks ago, but it's worth mentioning again. You have to decide what to do with Jesus. I mean, the words I just read don't let you not decide what to do with Jesus. The world wants to say, he's a good teacher. He's a great guy, okay? Who doesn't want Jesus on their side? We can put him on our t-shirts. When he says things we like, we'll listen to him. If not, we won't. Take him or leave him. No. Listen to him. He either is the only bread and drink for your soul. He's the only sacrifice for your sins. The only light through which you can truly see what matters in life. The reason the universe exists. Or he is the most vile human being who has ever lived. You have to decide. He said these things. No one spoke like him. It's either absolutely evil or it's true. And if it's true, it means this man is the most important man who has ever lived. Again, in verse 12, Jesus is going to make a claim that is earth-shattering. No one speaks like this man. He says, I am the light of the world. He's the light. Now think about our planet, planet Earth, okay? What's the light for our planet, kids? It's the sun. It's the sun. The sun's our light. Okay, so imagine a world where there's no sun anymore. Let's also imagine the stars are out as well. What would happen? What would happen to our planet? Well, first of all, all the plants would die. Levi knows they would die, right? It would be too cold, that's right. So, so it would be too cold, the plants would die, which means the things that eat the plants would die. You guys know where we get oxygen from? Plants, that's exactly right. So there's no air. Darkness means death. No light means death. Now, if we lost the sun, maybe we could build fires, produce some artificial light. But if there was no way to build a fire or produce light on our own, what would life be like then in the short amount of time we had left? We wouldn't be able to see anything. We would be lost, groping around in the darkness. No light means blindness. Death and blindness. So when Jesus says in our text, whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, what's he talking about? He doesn't mean without him, you can't see with the eyeballs in your face. You can. But what he means is your soul can't see anything as it really is. Blindness is what's going on inside your heart. You can't see the glory of God. You can't see anything that will satisfy your soul. You're groping around for life. And that's what the world around us is doing. Maybe that's you. You're groping. I need life. 
I need sanity. I need some light. I have no lasting joy, happiness, peace inside here. I'm just in the dark and all around me, no matter what I feed on, thinking it's going to give me life brings me death. That's life without Jesus. He is the light. He's the way your soul can see. Do you need that? You need sense made out of life? You need to be able to see something you can lay hands on and say, yes, this will actually give me life. Jesus can do that for your soul. Now, imagine the dark world we were just talking about. You're in it. No light. You're just sitting there in the dark. What are you going to do? And all of a sudden, you see something. This is just in my head. There's a man who's shining, walking by you. Okay? You realize, because now you can see a few things, you're sitting in a pile of dead men's bones. And the only safe place is the path he's walking on. What would you do? Stay seated where you are? No way! You would jump up and you would try to be as close to that shining man as you could be, wouldn't you? See, it's the only way you can see. That light would mean I've been in darkness my whole life. This is salvation. That's what he would be to you. That's Jesus. That's what he says. If you follow me, you'll not walk in darkness. That's the picture. But you will have the light of life. That's a call to you. Whether you're a Christian or not, come to him. He will be light to your soul. Now, did you catch what he says? If you follow me, if you follow me, you will not walk in darkness. It's interesting, isn't it? That's why the picture of a man walking along really works. The only way you're staying in the light is if you stay near him. If you follow me, you will not walk in darkness. That means follow him and whatever he commands. Because Jesus is in heaven right now. He's not walking around our line where we can literally get in a parade behind him. He means follow what he commands. Do you follow what he says? Are you willing to follow him in whatever suffering he has ordained for your life? Are you willing to follow him for whatever path he sets for your life, for his kingdom? Will you? Will you follow him? If you do, you will have light for your soul. You will see God, and you'll live forever. That's the promise. Now, the Pharisees challenge Jesus. They want to shut Jesus up any way they can. They remember, and maybe you remember, that in John chapter 7, verse 18, Jesus told them, whoever speaks on his own authority seeks his own glory. 
So Jesus is saying, if you just make stuff up and you tell it to people, you're seeking your own glory. They remember that he said that. And so they say to him, this is verse 13, you're bearing witness about yourself. You're doing it. You're talking about yourself. Your testimony is not true. You're speaking on your own authority. You're telling us you're the light of the world without any proof. You're a liar. That's what they're saying. So Jesus responds to them. And through this conversation and the rest of the passage, we will see three reasons from the mouth of Jesus why we should believe him when he says he's the light of the world. The three reasons from the mouth of Jesus... And then we're going to see one more reason that John, the gospel writer, is going to give us at the very end. That we should believe that he's the light of the world. So here's reason one from the mouth of Jesus. That you can trust him when he says he's the light of the world. Here it is. Reason one. Jesus uniquely or specially sees what life is about. That's why you can trust him when he says he's the light of the world. He uniquely or specially can see what life really is about. Listen to verses 14 and 15. Jesus answered them, even if I do bear witness about myself, my testimony is true for, so now he's giving us the reason, for I know where I came from and where I'm going. I'm telling the truth because I know where I'm from and I know where I'm going. Where did Jesus come from? That's right, Levi. He comes from God. So, he can uniquely speak to us about what God's like. He comes from heaven. He knows what it's like. Have you ever, have you ever met someone here in the UAE who's not from your home country, who tries to tell you what your home country is like. Yeah. Philippines, lots of traffic. Real humid weather there. Right? And if you're Filipino, you're going, I'm from there. Now, you're, you're not going to say that because you're nice. But you're thinking, I'm from there. I should tell you what the traffic and the weather are like. I had a man once tell me about these massive, huge underground cities in America. And I was baffled, thinking, I don't know what you're talking about, man. I'm from there. Jesus is from God. This book begins, in the beginning was the Word. Where was the Word? The Word was with God, and the Word was God. All things were made through Him. He comes from God. He is God, one with the Father. He knows what God is like. That's where He's from. Now, where's He going? So you notice He says, I know where I'm from. I know where I'm going. Well, just using this book, where we've been, Jesus tells us, John 2, verse 19, he's talking to the Pharisees, and he says, destroy this temple. And he's talking about his own body. Destroy this temple, and in three days, I will raise it up. So from the beginning of this book, Jesus tells us, 
he's going to die. That's what he's here to do. In three days, he's going to rise from the dead. He's going to ascend into heaven to sit at God's right hand, ruling all things. He's from God. He's going back to God. And Jesus brings this out as the reason that we should trust him. It's his reasoning. This is why you should believe that I'm true, because I'm from God and I'm going back to God. Because a man who has been with God from the beginning, who is God, who created the world, who came to redeem the world, and is even now ruling the world, surely knows what life is really about. And he does. You want to know what reality is? You want to know what's real? How do I know what's real? How do I know what really matters in life? Let's listen to the man who made reality as we know it and is ruling reality as we know it. He's from the Father. He's going back to the Father. That's why he's the light of the world. He really sees things as they are. We don't. Your emotions are not going to tell you what life is really like. It may feel like it. The news is not going to tell you what life is really like. It doesn't have that big of a perspective. Jesus does. He sees all things. If you want to see things as they are, you need to see them in his light. He's the light of the world. So draw near to him. If your soul wants to see, draw near to him. He tells the Pharisees in verse 14 and 15, you do not know where I come from or where I'm going. You judge according to the flesh. If you remember from last chapter, the Pharisees, they go, this guy's from Galilee. Nothing good comes from Galilee. Are you serious? You want us to take, us, you want us to take you seriously? This guy's from Galilee. What a joke. Jesus tells them, that's judging according to the flesh. You see that I traveled here from Galilee, and instead of knowing where I really come from by listening to me, you've judged me based on the city I traveled from. I'm going to talk to a lot of you in here that in your home country, city people look down on the village people, right? You serious? You want to tell me what's going on? You're from a village. Why should I listen to you? That's judging according to the sinful standards of this world. When you judge someone based on where they're from, what they look like, the way they dress, how much money they have, how much success they've achieved in this world, that's a sinful way of judging people because it's not the way God sees people. God sees us as we really are. He looks at the heart. So, Jesus is telling these men, listen, you're judging by the sinful standards of this world. I don't know where I'm from. Now, when he says, look at, look at the end of verse 15. He says, I judge no one. Jesus doesn't mean that he never, ever judges anyone. He means, I judge no one according to the flesh, like you do. 
And one of the reasons we know that is because if you just skip your eyes down to verse 16, he's going to tell us that he judges. So when he says, I judge no one in verse 15, he means, I don't judge like you do, according to the flesh. He sees the heart. He judges according to reality. He's the light of the world. He sees things as they are. Do you want that? Draw near to him and see in his light. Now, let's look at verse 16. We're moving to reason number two, that you can trust Jesus when he says he's the light of the world. And here it is. Reason two. Because the Father bears witness to Jesus. Bears witness, that phrase, it just means he tells us. He tells us that we can listen to Jesus. In verse 16 through 18. Even if I do judge... My judgment is true. Why? For it is not I alone who judge, but I and the Father who sent me. In your law, it is written that the testimony of two people is true. I am the one who bears witness about myself, and the Father who sent me bears witness about me. So do you hear what he's saying? See, I'm not the only person who says I'm the light of the world. The Father also testifies that I'm the light of the world. How does the Father do that? How does the Father testify, listen to this guy. He's telling the truth. Well, in John chapter 5, verse 36, Jesus told us, The works that the Father has given me to accomplish, the very works that I'm doing, they bear witness about me that the Father has sent me. So the miracles and the good works that Jesus does, he's saying they come from the Father. I'm doing the works he gave me to do. And when you see these miracles and these wonders, when you see the goodness of the works that I do, you should know that's God testifying that I'm the truth. So the the Father bears witness to Jesus through the works he does, and he also bears witness to Jesus through the Scripture. Now remember, last week we talked about this book and how this is God speaking to us. The Scripture is God speaking to humanity. That's amazing. Now listen to what Jesus says about this book. It's just three verses later in John 5. John 5, verse 39. Jesus says this to the Pharisees. You search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life, and it is they that bear witness about me. So God has spoken to us in a book. And Jesus says that book is about If you want a quick example of how this book is about Jesus, it's just a real quick one. Go home and read Isaiah 52 and 53. It was written 700 years before Jesus came. So scholars, whether they're believers or unbelievers, would say, yeah, this was written before Jesus was around. Read it and ask yourself if that passage can be about anyone but Jesus Christ. 
The Old Testament is filled with prophecies about what Jesus would be like. But it's not just prophecies. The Old Testament histories and patterns, the temple, the sacrifices, the priests, the kings, the need for the people's sins to be covered and for them to have something change inside their heart, all of it was preparing us for this man. That's why Jesus can say, it's about me. In the New Testament we have are the apostles and the disciples of Jesus saying, this man, look at him. Here's what he came to do for us. God testifies in this book to Jesus. So that's reason two to believe that when Jesus speaks, you should listen. He's telling the truth when he says he's the light of the world because God bears witness to him through the works Jesus does. Who did more miracles than this man? And through the scripture. Here's reason three, that Jesus is telling the truth about being the light of the world. He is one with God. Look at verse 19. The Pharisees hear Jesus talking about the Father bearing witness to him, and they're not exactly sure what he's talking about. We know from chapter 5, they're furious at him. 518. Because he's calling God his own father, making himself equal with God. And here they're asking, okay, who are you talking about when you talk about your father? Are you talking about God? Listen to the Pharisees and then to Jesus' response. Verse 19. They said to him, therefore, where's your father? Jesus answered, you know neither me nor my father. If you knew me, you would know my father also. Now the Pharisees believe that God exists. They believe that Jesus exists. They're having a conversation with him right here. So when Jesus says, you don't know me or my father, he doesn't mean you believe that we exist. He means you don't really see who I am. You don't really see who God is. Not in any way that can save you. Now, how does Jesus know that the Pharisees don't know God? He knows they don't know the Father because they don't know Him. Do you see that in verse 19? If you knew me you would know my father also. This is big. This is really big. Jesus is saying, to know God, you got to know me. And if you don't know me, really know me, see me for who I am, you can't know God. There is no religion no way of living that can bring you to God without going through this man. That's a big deal for us. That's a big deal for us in this city. You want people to know God? You have to give them this man. There's no other way to know him. 
Jesus is one with God, so you can't say no to Jesus without saying no to the Father who he perfectly shows us. So let's say I've got a picture of my friend. I want you to meet my friend. I've got a few pictures of him. I'll show you a picture of my friend, and you think he is hideous. I'll show you another picture of my friend, same friend. Ugh, gross. That guy is ugly. Okay, show you a few more pictures. You can't stand the look of this guy. Are you going to like what he looks like when he actually shows up in the room? If you hate looking at the picture, you're going to hate looking at the person it's a picture of. Jesus is the image of God. He's better than a picture. He is God, and he perfectly shows us what the Father is like. He shows us God. You want to see what's the character of God like? What's the character of God? I mean, I know God's powerful. Everybody knows God's powerful. But what's he like? Look at what Jesus is like. He will perfectly show you what the character of the Father is. He shows us. He's light. He shows us what God is like. And not only that, he made a way for us to be able to come to God. Our big problem is that we are in darkness. Stephen read it before. The people who sat in darkness at the very beginning of the service, he transferred us from darkness into light. That's our sin. Think you can just show up and find God yourself? No, we needed someone, a perfect someone, to die as a punishment in our place. And that's what he did. And he rose from the grave to defeat death so that there is nothing standing between you and his father. Jesus shows us and brings us to God. He's the light of the world. Because he shows us God, because he is one with God. Come to him. Trust him. You can believe this man. Now I want you to see one more reason in verse 20 that you can trust Jesus as the light of the world. This is not Jesus speaking anymore. It's John who wrote this gospel for us. He tells us in verse 20, These words Jesus spoke in the treasury as he taught in the temple. But no one arrested him because his hour had not yet come. We've talked about this before. In the Gospel of John, what is Jesus' hour? It's the hour of his death. And he mentions it over and over again. The closer that Jesus gets to his crucifixion, he says, my hour is drawing near. In John 12, he's going to pray to the Father, and he's going to pray, what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour? The hour of my death? Before this purpose, I have come to this hour. Now look back at our passage. John is telling us in verse 20 the most significant reason that Jesus was not arrested was this. It was not time for him to die yet. 
Jesus is working a plan. And he does everything on schedule. No matter how much people hate him, no matter how much people want to thwart him, he's on a schedule. And it will happen the way his father and he have planned. Do you know God as a God who controls all things? I hope you do. I hope you personally have a God, know him as a God who's ruling everything. See that in verse 20? It's not time for him to die. That's why they couldn't arrest him. But he's not just all-powerful and in control, is he? He's in control for a purpose. To lay down his life for you and me so that we can be saved. You can trust this man. He is the light of the world. If you know Jesus like that, a Jesus who's in control of all things, he is sovereign. That's what that word means. He's in control of all things. But it is a sacrificial sovereignty. That'll put a lot of light into your world if you believe that. That's who he is. He's the light of the world. Do you see it? Do you see it? Come to him. I'm talking to people who would not say that I'm a Christian. (laughs) Come to him. Come to him. He will be light for you. I don't care what you did this past week or what you've ever done in your deepest, darkest moment. He will shine light there. He will. It doesn't matter what your background, your family name is. He will be your light. He's the only one. Come to him and have light in your soul, light and life. Believers, those who would say, I'm already a Christian, draw near to him. You want more light in your soul? Do you want to know his help and his goodness, the joy, the peace he provides for us? Be near him. He is the light of the world. He will lead you into life. Let's pray. Oh, Father, thank you for your son. We are all in darkness and death, the shadow of death. And you send your son so that we can see and so that we can live. Oh, I pray that you would work by the power of the Holy Spirit to help us see, shine light in our darkness, and help us run to your Son, who is all that we need from beginning to end. And it's in the precious name of your Son we pray. Amen.